podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi and welcome to another episode of the Nina Calder Show. After a disappointing European night on Tuesday, all Liverpool fans were quite frustrated. We wanted our best players. We wanted a performance. We wanted to win again. We kind of forgotten how that felt despite being unbeaten in the league. We just wanted that win. And today the Reds delivered 2-0 at home against Fulham. I'll take that all day long, but plenty of discussion points. I'm sure there's still plenty of frustration. I have some amazing callers, some new callers as well. So I'm quite excited to see what they bring and some familiar voices in, in our callers as well. And in order to do all this, well, I need a panel, right? So, you know, my, my tactical subs for this week, I have gone for the strong, the assured, the no fucking about, the almost a Fabinho will break your legs. It is Justin Wells, um, host of the USA podcast. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Nina. Uh, I get the joy of now knowing at 9.15 on a Sunday morning that I'm actually in a weird position of rooting for Everton and United in the, in the later fixtures. So that's a... You're living in the upside down, my friend. It's, <laughs> uh, it's, this is not normal. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, of course, um, you've got to put, you know, my my Justin Wells, a.k.a. my Fabinho, in, in a double pivot. And joining him is um, a good, and also a good friend of mine, a host of the Daisy podcast. I guess he's filling the role of Ginny Wijnaldum today. It is Harinda Singh. Harinda, welcome to the show. Hello. Sorry, I nearly fell off my chair because it's one of those rare occasions where you're not at the Amphor. Uh, I know. This is, three, see- three point pleasing, please. I know, no three points, please. Well, we got three points, please. But I didn't get to do my tweet or my normal kind of social media type. Uh, mm. What's the right word for it here? Superstition. A, I was going to say a ritual. <laughs> yeah, ritual superstition. Um, I simply because the idiots moved the match from Saturday to Sunday. Right? <laughs> I had things planned on Sunday. Family things I couldn't uh, get out of, but mm. it's life. It's life. It- and you know what? And I got is. you into my show. So you know what? Indeed. Things work out. Things yeah. always work out. And you know what? We're, we're, we're very happy customers. Like I said, we have some callers. So first, kicking things off nicely, I am going to go with um, a familiar voice. Uh, I always smile when I see his name on the call sheet. It's Cressy Davis, AI Pro subscriber, the awesome guy that is finally on Twitter now. Cressy, welcome to the show. And before I let you speak, yeah, man. Because that's what you always say. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Nina. Proud of you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Glad to be always back. a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Cressy. Uh, I want to, of course, we're joined by Justin Wells and Harinda. So um, we want to hear your thoughts and points. What would you like to share with the panel? All right. First of all, good afternoon to Justin and Harinda. Um, afternoon. I wanted to, afternoon. I wanted to talk about the the team and how they, they seem to get a little more efficient after the second, once the second half started. We were better than them in the first half, clearly. But we, 
we let in one or two chances. One of them, I believe, was a big chance. Um, so, so I wanted to talk about that. I mean, my opinion is that there wasn't a clearly defined number six when we were going forward. And the, the, the deepest midfielder found himself in no man's land a couple of times. And the way we set up, we really, with, with the fullbacks going forward, we really need the deepest midfielder, whether that be Fabinho or if it's changed around, whether that be Genie, to be sitting and sitting properly in that space just in front of the back two. And I think that was brought home more in the second half. I think that was a big difference. But I'd love to hear what Justin and Herinda think. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm going to go to Justin first on this because I think Cressy does make a really good point because in the first half, I thought they had... You know, considering, I think they had some very decent chances, and uh, you know, uh, the mid, um, you know, the the defense was kind of like, oh, uh, put under some stress, even Allison, um, to some degree. Uh, I want to get your thoughts. What do you think was the main difference? Because for me, um, I kind of feel like um, the, conceding very late in the first half. I and I think in a football game, I mean, obviously I've never played a game at a professional level, but I think when you concede so late in, 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 in a half or concede very early, I feel like that's a momentum breaker. Yeah, I think that definitely broke them to a bit. Uh, they were, they were unlucky not to, uh, to be up one nil mm. on the Sessegnon chance. And they, there was, there was a lot of space for them to exploit in that first half. Uh, I think that part of it was just that I think we were really poor in, in keeping possession in the first half. It's one of those things where we just gave the ball right back to them. Then I guess, you know, looked to try to press and, and got, and just got broken by them once or twice. Cause the one thing you could say about Fulham is that's, I don't, I don't think that's a particularly good side. I think they're better than what their, uh, their record suggests. Uh, especially with all the talent that they brought in over the summer. Uh, but I just don't think that they were able to really lift their heads up and see a way back into the game after we scored. And I think that really, and I think that's part of it. I think it was us being able to keep possession of the ball. I don't think it was anything that anything we did were doing positionally because, you know, it was very clear that Jeannie and Fabinho were playing as a double pivot where they were looking to kind of compress the spaces left by the fullbacks. And our fullbacks were involved quite often, especially uh, Andy Robertson in the second half. So it did feel like once our fullbacks actually were able to keep the ball and use it better, what Quessy might have noticed kind of just died down as well as a result of that. I just think it down to being, you know, our, our quality in possession. Yeah, I think the Sessegnon chance um, happened after Moore's bigs. Um, and we had a couple of um, big chances as well, that as well. So um, they definitely should have been equal because that, like, honest to God, I, I was actually amazed how that literally came from nothing. You know, like, they, they literally didn't even attack our goal and then he does that. And then I'm like, oh, shit, you know. They can definitely, definitely hurt us. Um, Harinda, I'm going to come to you with the, with the same question. I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Did you notice a difference? I want to get your thoughts as well because what I kind of felt as well, I mean, it almost felt like the midfield was trying to overcompensate because they've always been sort of, in, in the poor performances, there's always been a disconnect between the attack and midfield. So I felt like that's why we were pouring on and being quite top heavy. Yeah, but um, I, I think that overcompensation allowed for Fulham to get the two or three brief opportunities they had. Then yeah. Mitrovic offside, Sessegnon pulling it wide, and even then, let's face it, that ball that went towards Sessegnon, it kind of luckily bounces back into his path, right? More than anything else. Mm. And then you actually have the Mitrovic offside again, which leads to our goal. And 
for the first two attempts, it just seemed that they were looking at the gap in the defence because of the attack going so forward and the midfielders pouring onto them. They kind of find a, a neat passage, so to speak, of being mm. able to drop the ball into the right place and then going on to that. And Mitrovic is a big unit. He's not a wimp by any means. And they utilise that to good effect. And Sessegnon's not exactly a wimp either. Again, utilised to good effect. Other than that, I think the only change then from the first half into the second half was the plugging of the gap. So Fabinho becomes a little bit, I wouldn't say less involved, but just a bit deeper. And Bobby as well coming in. Um, Do I particularly care or worry though? Is what I keep on saying to myself. No, I don't. Because it's Fulham. Fulham, the sum of all parts should be much better than what they are. But they're atrocious, man. They really, you, you got to feel sorry for them. They're an abject, abject failure of a team which should be doing much better. They really should. And I don't know whether it's the manager. I don't know whether it's the tactics. I don't know what it is, but they, people say, you know, midweek we lost our mojo. I can kind of believe that we did, but Fulham have lost almost all belief in respect to where they're going and what they're doing. And when you're faced with a team like that and Truth be told, I think they were lucky in the first half. We just couldn't score. How many times were people saying within chat groups, fuck, ah, fucking score, Um, those kind of things. You know, I think it could have been much worse from first half. So in fairness to Liverpool, did they really need to shift too much or change too many gears in order to get the result that they wanted? I don't think they did. This was literally a, a walk in the park for them, and they treated it like a walk in the park. They didn't break too much of a sweat. They went for it early, as we as we usually do with teams that are are going to look to sit back. We did put them to the sword. We couldn't score. Rico made some great saves. Fucking shit ass that he is. I can't believe. Why are they changing their keeper now? Couldn't they put the other one in there? Let's in five goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bloody Ricos. <laughs> leaving Sergio Rico Exeville off off, um, the books for a moment but you know he he had a great game Sergio Mm -hmm. Rico for them in the first half especially and he kept them in it he did Uh, and once the keeping them in it was over it was over that's it you know there's not much else to it I'm not going to overanalyze that first half versus second half in regards to that degree because as I said earlier I think Fulham atrocious I, I genuinely are. I feel, I feel sorry for them to one de- to some degree because I have a friend, good friend, who's a Fulham fan, and he'll be very sad tomorrow. But if you're going to play like that and you're going to roll over all the time, I don't think you deserve to be in the Premier League. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And you know, you, you're saying that I won't think fuck another big chance. You're right. Um, I think we did have a lot of chances in the first half. Even your little one was crying by the end of it. Like, would somebody just bloody score? <laughs> You know, I've got my shirt on here. I'm ready for this. Uh, <laughs> I dress for the occasion. Don't let me down, you arseholes. Um, Cleffy, I'm going to bring you in. You've, you've heard what the lads have said. I want to get your thoughts on this as well, because it is a really good point as well, because when I, I felt like when they did try, um, when they did have their better chances in the first half, I felt like the defence looked really shell-shocked, and in particular, Joe Gomez. Yeah. Yeah, um... But we have to say their best chance was a lucky ricochet. It hit both of Joe Gomez's legs and went, um, made him 
mm-hmm. and went through and, and that was a chance. So there's a little luck involved there. Um, I do want to switch gear just a little before I go to, to, to shout out the 4231 system. If you remember after the city game, I was on the show and I, I did say that in terms of the team and the personnel, that seemed to be the best direction in which we should go, especially against drugs. If you think about it, we have Fabinho and Keita who are used to playing like mm-hmm. double pivot, like two sixes together. We have Shakiri who hasn't quite gotten the whole um, flat midfield three thing yet, but works okay as, on the right side of a three behind one, right? And um, it brings back Origi into the picture. If you look at it, Origi's best period was as the one in front of a three. And of course, storage can, storage can play the, the Firmino role in a 4-3-3, or he can play the one in front of a three as well. So in my mind, it suits the personnel and the squad we have way better. Mm. So I'm glad, I'm glad we've gone back there. That, that, that's what I'm saying. Finally, I want to just congratulate, um, Gags, cause he, tomorrow he starts being a regular working Joe again. <laughs> yes, congrats to guys, and that's it. Oh, I'm, I'm, you know what? We're glad to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah. Gags, you know that gift. I'm the captain now. That's me. <laughs> get out! <laughs> oh dear, I'll still be around. Don't worry, chaps. Thank you, Questy. Yes, that's it. You're welcome. It was nice being on. Cheers to Justin and Herinda. Have a good one, Questy. Cheers, Cressy. Have a good weekend. Yes, man. Cool, cool. Respect. That was our beloved Cressy Davis right there, our first caller. We're going to move on to our second caller, a new voice on the Nina Kaza show. But we had a chat pre-pod and he took the piss out of me. So something tells me he's going to take to this pod like duck to water. (laughs) (laughs) Our second caller is Const. You can follow him on Twitter at the Const or Kiki from London Enfield. Welcome to the show, Const. Nice to meet you guys. Nice to meet you too. I like the fact that you said I don't understand her. <laughs> Trust me, I meant nothing by it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course you didn't. No, um, it's great having you on. I love hearing new opinions. Uh, please, the floor is yours. What, what points would you like to raise with the panel? You are joined by Justin and Harinda. Okay, uh, firstly, before I start, I'd just like to say I'm a massive fan. I think this is one of the best like podcasts out there about Liverpool. I love the way you guys break down the goings on our club and like games. So I'm a big fan. I appreciate that. And I would just like to ask about our football and philosophy and playing style, which it seems to change completely from last season. And I understand what Jurgen Klopp is saying when he comes out and he says we want to win games at any cost. But at, at what point, as local fans, do we say, like, like, at what point do we stop and say, we need to, we need to see better football from our team, mm-hmm. even at the risk of not winning games? So I just want to ask the panel, what do you think Liverpool's football philosophy is, and what do you think it should be? First of all, thank you so much for your kind words. And it was a nice recovery there that you are actually a fan of my show. So you can come back on any time, Const. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go to Harinda first on this one because 
I mean, last season, I mean, I think Constance made a really good point. Last season, football was stark, you know, there was a stark difference to what we're seeing now. It was pretty much attack, 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 go and throw everything, the kitchen sink at your opposition. But at the risk of you scoring four, you might concede four or three or five, depending on who plays in the back. And I feel like now we have a defence and the defence is very good. And we have a very good goalkeeper. And therefore, we have re- taken some of the pressure off the attack. And we don't need to go gung-ho. And at the same time, we're kind of um, keeping players fresh. But I want to get your thoughts. I mean, the, the res- I mean, the performances aren't great, but we're unbeaten. Indeed. Um, I would just like to point out, he said he likes what we do, not I what do. you do. <laughs> so, you're part of the we. Not you alone. Why show the anyway? Anyway, listen. All I gotta say is this: at least, at least people don't need subtitles for me. All right. (laughs) So, all all digs aside, coming back. This is the ultimate question, right? That seems to be going on between Liverpool fans right now in regards to how we were last season, how we are this season, and. The only real analogy here is a German car. If you go and buy a car in Germany, there is no speed limiter on there. You buy the same car in the UK, there is a speed limiter. Last year without speed limiter, this year with speed limiter. But in effect, both cars normally, no matter which country they're in, are kind of going to go at the same place. Normally at the same speed, apart from some occasions where you can just put your foot down and off you go. In the UK, we can't do that. In Germany, you can. Last year, we did that, like Germans, in the UK, and got the equivalent of a of a fine, let's say, three-point fine, speeding ticket, whatever you want to call it, whenever we would lose matches towards the end, or when we would have a win, then head into a draw, because last 10 minutes, we weren't secure, we weren't in shape, we weren't really thinking about what we were doing. This year, we played with a speed limiter, there's some science behind it. There is very much a thinking within Jurgen Klopp that why push ourselves to the limit and not be able to last the whole 90 and therefore have a brain fart moment or personnel that would have brain fart moments and ruin it all. I'm all right, you know, with taking the version that Klopp is playing now. Because it's for now. And the real, the reason, I think the reason why he's doing it is because he looks around him, he looks at the team that he's got, and he goes, first and foremost, let me be defensively solid. Once I'm defensively solid, I know that I can get the ball from defense to attack. If I need to, I don't mind bypassing the midfield to do this, because as I bypass the midfield to do this and get loft the ball slightly over, not long ball football, slightly over into passages of space in the wings, my attack and midfield can move forward and therefore put pressure on the defence ongoing. Has it been able to break down buses? Yes. Were we breaking down buses last season with with a similar team or with our super attacking philosophy? No. Are we this season? Yes. Therefore, our philosophy changing isn't that bad. Fulham came to park a bus, you could see from the way, <laughs> 5-4-1. They came to park a bus. 
You can't blame them though. With the yeah, I can't blame them. Cardiff yeah. came to Parker Bus. Many teams have come to park a bus this season. Has anyone succeeded in parking their bus this season at Liverpool? No. Therefore, have we got better against the dross that parked buses? Yes. I'll take it all day long. I will take this effective version of football rather than the footloose fancy free if it means we don't concede shitty, stupid goals that ruin afternoons, evenings, mornings, weekends midweeks, you name it. I've been there last season where things have been ruined by stupid brain farts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This season, we're not doing them. Yeah, bar, absolutely. Bar, bar Red Star away <laughs> and mm-hmm. Napoli away. Um, I, I will take it. You know, this is this is good for us because we're playing in a disciplined manner. We're playing in a way that is giving us the results that we want. We're playing in a way that currently has us top of the table as Results stand. Who wouldn't take that right now? Absolutely. And Justin, I'm going to come to you because I think Harinda made a really good point there. You know, teams are parking buses. And, you know, another thing that you need to consider as well is teams are going to get brighter against you when it comes to defending, right? If you absolutely hammer a team 6-0 last season, you will think they are stupid if they don't tighten up. Don't afford your forwards, certainly our forwards, the space that they like to manoeuvre and sort of... um you know, like to operate in. I feel like teams have certainly done that. Space is, you know, somewhat of a question now for our attackers. And also, Const made a point of, um, we, you know, better performances, some, you know, and at this point, better performances over, you know, like over, over a result. But I'm sorry. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this, but for me, it's all about winning. At this point, we, you know, no one forgets you having a great game if you've lost. I mean- Nobody does. No, no, absolutely nobody does. And like, let, let's, let's take this all in with some sort of perspective. We're 30 points from 36, top of the league as we currently stand. Obviously, we know City and, and Chelsea still to play. We were 12 and, points off top this time last season when right. we started playing good football. Absolutely. And a plus 18 goal difference. It basically, we're not, I, I don't think we're just able to enjoy it as much as we should be because of you know the juggernaut that it that exists based on illegal oil money in uh both West London and uh and in uh the city of Manchester. I mean th- it's it's all about perspective and if you think about it we didn't really hit our stride last year until roughly you know around this time and a little bit later. We had to take that punch in the mouth from Spurs 4-1. We took our punch in the mouth against Red Star Belgrade this week, hopefully. And hopefully everything is improves from there. Uh, you know, the today's result, you know, so far so good. It's a two nil win. I, you know, everybody would have liked to see a four or five nil, but a two nil win versus a, a four or five nil win, it's still three points. Like the goal difference aside, it's still three points. And, uh, I take well, a two nil over a four three. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing too is if you look about how we set up defensively, Nobody has ever, scoring a goal doesn't guarantee you three points. On the other hand, stopping other teams from scoring always guarantees you at least one, right? It's, it's the whole point of trying to get the most, the most you can from a game and stopping other teams from scoring is going to give you the best chance of actually winning. So I understand the change in tactics. And then the other thing that we have to take into account is we built up our squad depth. A, a big problem for us for, for years. So we built up the numbers of that this year. We added players without, without offloading much, right? We got rid of a little bit of Deadwood, but 
we didn't really get rid of anybody who actually played a big part in last season at all. We've just, you know, supplemented them. And perhaps Klopp still doesn't necessarily know what his best 11 is. And that is probably adding to this whole consternation that everybody has about our form. It's because he's chopping and changing the midfield every single match. He's not really going out there and giving one settled midfield or, or his best 11 so the rhythm is a chance right? to, yeah, a chance to actually go out and play. So if there's no rhythm, you're never, you're, if, if there isn't a rhythm, you're not going to generate that best constantly everything going forward kind of activity. Whereas at the end of the last season, if you look at our midfield, most games, it was towards the end after March, especially after March, Henderson, Genie, and then either one of Milner or Ox until Ox got injured, basically alternating Milner and Ox to manage their minutes in the, uh, in the midweeks. So between midweek, between Champions League and the league, he's got a lot more options than that now, and he might not be picking his best ones, but he'll figure it out. Some excellent points there, Justin. And Const, I'm going to come back to you. I heard what the panel have said. I want to get your thoughts. Um, do you agree? Do you disagree? And let you have a final thought on this. Well, I mean, first, first of all, great point, guys. Uh, I wouldn't say I disagree, but what I, what I'm trying to say about our philosophy is that mm-hmm. we spent so much money on our defense and our goalkeeper. And I think, in fact, I saw a stat. I think before the Arsenal game that since Van Dijk came into Liverpool. In the Premier League, we're tied with the Lefko Madrid for the least goals conceded, which is, I think, was 14 since Van Dijk came in, which is incredible. Absolutely. But so my point is, if you have an elite defense, why switch the tactics? Because I think what what Liverpool fans were said about last season with our defense was the more so the individual errors, not mm. like the actual defense as a whole, just the individual errors. Yeah, if you both plays, yeah. If you brought players in that would eradicate those errors, why then become more pragmatic? And I'm looking at this from point of view, like I saw from Man United last season, they were terrible, mm. terrible to watch. Yet they finished second table and they were terrible. Now, my issue is if we go along this season and our style of play doesn't improve and Man City still win the title, at some point as a local fan, I, I can't accept that because I need to see us like we may not be winning, but what I've been clinging on to for like the past decade is that no matter what, we're still good to watch. I'm but getting atro- worth each game. Sorry. But we're not atrocious cons. So this is the thing. You look at United and it's Fellaini football. Yeah. It is. It's lump it. Okay, hopefully he knocks it down or barges into somebody or brushes somebody with his mop. And they get yeah. a goal. We're not doing that. We're still playing through people. We carved Fulham apart and Rico made some fantastic saves. Even towards the end, when the game was absolutely done, it was over. Yeah, yeah. there's five minutes to go. We're pushing for a third. Yeah. We're attacking them. We're, we're putting to the sword to try and get a third, to get another goal. Yeah. That doesn't seem complete abandonment of philosophy. And also, with regards to Liverpool's old school philosophy of pass and move, Never has it been epitomized more than in this match by and than by Andy Robertson. And also, do you know what? Yeah. By Bobby Firmino. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, Constable, I, will, I, will, I mean, just now let you have a word as well. Um, I think it's also worth noting as well, like, you can't 
the starting 11 today must have made everyone very happy, right? You know, he, he went with the 4-2-3-1, the, you know, the, the team that absolutely hammered Red Star Belgrade. Um, the, you know, the, the attackers that we wanted, the midfielders we wanted, the defence picked itself. Everything, you know, was pretty much the best starting 11 that he could have because obviously Cater is still sort of fighting his... You know, he's on the bench, but obviously I'm guessing he's not fully 100% fit or Klopp doesn't think he's ready. So, you know, he played the right team. I felt like we could have had more goals. Harinda's right. The goalkeeper made some great saves. I also feel like some of the touches from our attackers was a little heavy. Certainly in Sadio Mane, his, his touch was quite heavy today. And I think those things just improve. Uh, Justin, I'll, I'll let you have the say now because I know you wanted to say something. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with Harinder. It's basically the whole thing about the amount of chances we made. I just want to read, a, go through a few stats just because, like, this is kind of relevant. We had 20 attempts on target today. I mean, 20 attempts on goal, 10 on target. Uh, sorry, 7 on target, 10 in our, inside their penalty area. We created 14 chances and 3 big chances. So it's not as if we were sitting back playing boring and, you know, playing Mourinho ball. It just may not have looked as slick, quick, and fast as last season, but we still pretty much took him to the sword. And I, I don't necessarily think that we've seen like too much of a, of a change in the attacking philosophy. I just think that maybe it's just not looking as slick as it did last season because, you know, it's November right now. It's not April. And we really peaked in our, in the second half of the season with our attacking philosophy last season. I think, Oh, sorry, Nina, do you want to say something? No, no, no. You respond. Oh, okay. I think, this is partly coming from me listening to Klopp's comment in the weekend saying that um, he doesn't feel happy because it feels like when Liverpool win, because they don't win like City, no one's happy. Well, I look at Klopp and I say, well, we're not happy. Like, I understand you don't have to win like City, but I expect better performances sooner rather than later from this Liverpool team, which we have every right to expect from, because this is a Champions League final team. This is a team to brush aside Man City 5-1. 100-point mm. uh, City team 5-1. I mean, we've shown how good we can be. And I, and I get winning at any cost at this point in the season. I'm fine with that. I just don't want it to become like a habit where like yeah. where the winning actually drives up, but the performances are still lackluster. I just don't want that to become a habit. And I feel like that's what happened with my night last season because I remember they started last season really well and then midway through, everything just fell apart for them and they just yeah, they started remember. falling over the line and started losing games they shouldn't lose. So, but I understand you got this point though. I mean, you made great points. Let me, let me just ask you one question though, right? And, and I think this is probably one of those things that's potentially overuses a cliche when you're talking about any sport. Would you rather be peaking in November or in May? Uh, of course, May. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of how I just feel. Some of this direction is going. Is everybody does everybody's evaluating mm -hmm. us in our form at the end of last season without taking into account that last season didn't start like that. Mm. Absolutely, mm. Can't. Uh, no problem. Um, I think, you know, you've made some really excellent points and I think you're right. Um, you know, you don't want the ugly, um, the results to just be ugly performances with no result. I think that's a genuine concern, but I think you're all right. I think we start peaking and getting better. Um, thank you so much for your call. Um, no problem. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. It's been actually kind of fun listening to it live for once and getting to get your responses. So thank you very much, guys. Have a good you're afternoon. Awesome. You were brilliant. Thank you, Const.
Thank you. Bye. So that was Const, our first-time caller, leaving quite an impression, some quite good discussion and debate there. We're going to move on to our third caller. It's Jonas, AI Pro subscriber and recently an AI contributor as well. Jonas, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Nina. Always a pleasure, Jonas. What thoughts, points, discussions would you like to raise with the panel, joined by Justin and Harinda today? I would like to talk about... Uh... The lovely Bobby Firmino. Uh, what's the deal with Bobby? Um, it seems uh, to me that he's going through a really rough patch at the moment. Um, maybe that's just uh, kind of a something. Maybe it's it's a question of my eyes fooling me, but uh, it seems that he's in really bad bad form at the moment. And I would love to hear your theories about. Well, first, if that's if that's something you agree with, and second, if if you have any ideas about uh, what that what why that is. Okay, no, um, excellent point. I'm gonna come to Harinda first on this one because I've not heard from him in a while. Bobby created five chances today in total. One of them was that big one when he linked up briefly with them, um, Marcela. Um, I think those are pre-even stats for a number ten. Harinda, I want to get your thoughts on him. I think he was pretty good, to be fair. Mm. Like he's playing in a slightly different position, or I don't know, position, role, whatever you want to call it, for the last few matches. But in short, while you've got the likes of Shakiri, Mane, and Salah, all who can attack, you have the you have option of either. Light. You either have the option of Shakiri coming back, Salah coming back, Mane coming back, or Bobby coming back to help in the midfield. I'm all right with it being Bobby. Passing range, intelligence, vision, cuteness, skill, guile. Bobby's got that in abundance. So him using that in the midfield is fine for me. I don't mind that he comes back to get the ball and start a move. I don't mind that his game is changing slightly because when it kicks in, it's brilliant to see. So what do you think, um, I mean, he hasn't scored since away to Spurs and he hasn't assisted since Brighton at home, I think. So, in the league at least, so... Um, but that's in the league, but he has scored, right? Of course, but, uh, okay, I mean, cool. the Champions League is a totally different animal, I think. It's okay, but one he's of those was Red Star he's, as well. uh, but, Yeah, okay, but then also the other week, nobody scored against the Red Star, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it doesn't always have to be Bobby doing all the scoring. Is my straight answer to that. It doesn't have to be Bobby being the one who gets, you know, double digit goals. Mm. Doesn't have to be that way. He did it last season. Doesn't mean it's going to be the same this season. But his involvement is second to none. When it's off, and let's be honest, sometimes it is off. Yeah, there has, has been the been odd occasion. There has been the, yeah, there has been the odd occasion where you, there you think, come on, Bobby, sort your shit out. Today was not one of those days though. Mm. Absolutely. Justin, I'm going to come to you because um, I want to get your thoughts on, on Bobby Firmino because I feel like he does a lot of um, the, I hate to say it, but sometimes a lot of the donkey work around around the attackers. And when he doesn't do it, you can tell he doesn't do it. And I think certainly the last three games in the league, he certainly looked off the pace. I think Jonas is definitely onto something there. But I want to get your thoughts on his performance today because I actually thought, I felt like I saw glimpses and flashes of what he is and what you need to remember is he wasn't playing. I think the main 
frontman today to me certainly looked like Mosala. So it was almost like he occupied a different position today and he was sort of dropping a lot deeper. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Actually, Bobby's not the one of the front three that I'm uh, most concerned with. It's, it's Sadio by, by mm. a large stretch for me. But um, I feel like he's, you know, people are going to judge his form based on what he did last season from a, an output perspective, which rightly or wrongly is going to be at the forefront of people's minds. Um, I think that obviously the, the position change when we played this 4-3-2-1 to having him play, you know, much deeper in midfield, as well as also even when we've been playing the 4-3-3, he's had to come into midfield to try to be, you know, the more on the ball, more creative mm-hmm. player. <coughs> and it's having an impact on his, it's having an input on an, uh, an impact on his output. But I think that he's, you know, gone through a rough patch of form, but I think today was encouraging. I mean, five big chances created in a midfield role. 46 to 50 passing, which is, you know, obviously very, very good to complete 90% of your passes, particularly also if you're an advanced midfielder. Um, he just, he, he, he created a lot of stuff in the second half and he created a lot of space for, uh, for Andy Robertson. So I felt like if, you know, we're going to criticize Bobby's form today, isn't the game to do it on the, like to do it on the basis of other games though. I mean, I don't think he really. I also much. feel like I hate to bring up this as well, but I felt like. When this sub was made against Red Star, I felt like he brought some positivity. Yeah, he did. I don't think that I don't think that he um, he added much as far as our attacking impetus in that game. He tried, mm-hmm. but at least you can see that at least the effort and the and the work rate is back to where it needs to be. And the quality of the ball, he's too good to not show it after a while. I mean, today he did, and you know what? Hopefully, that pretends for things to come with us creating more and more chances because. Uh, you know, we need him to be involved in our attacking game. And the fact that he was so much today and so much of a focal point, even in that less forward role, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a positive and I, and I hope it continues. Sure thing. I, I, I mean, I, let's hope he's on an upward trajectory, uh, from here on. Um, I just think he's, uh, he's been looking a bit off, um, for a month at least. So. No, I think you're right to make that call. I'd, I'd say that as well. But today I felt like I felt like I was watching glimpses of like the old Firmino. And I think another thing you need to remember as well is it, this all seems very alien to us because Roberto Firmino, even though he doesn't score, he still does the whole busybody stuff. And those three games that we've highlighted, like you said, in the month, he wasn't even doing that. And I feel like this is the first time in Roberto Firmino's career, certainly under Jurgen Klopp, I'm not going to talk about Brendan Rodgers because he just played him in the wrong position, but certainly under Jurgen Klopp, this is the first time that I've seen Roberto Firmino look, you know, I can honestly, you know, and I'm his fan, but when people have said maybe he needs a rest, maybe he needs to be dropped, and I can kind of see the logic behind that because the month has not been great for him. True. And I mean, he's he's played a lot of games. He's played, Mm -hmm. what, 1,200 minutes, I think, for... For Liverpool, is that, or is that including maybe internationals? And and also, since he's a mainstay in the Brazil squad, he flies to South America all the time. So it's probably yeah, probably a bit tiring. Absolutely. Well, Jonas, thank you so much. Thank you. Pleasure. So that was our third caller, Jonas. We're going to move on to our fourth caller. Now, when I saw this caller's name, I thought I was having a deja vu because he was on the last episode. It's Scott Chandler, also AI writer as well. Scott, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Back on demand. Yeah, I thought it was uh, last Sunday the same. I was being called back so soon, but you must have been impressed, so it's good to be here. That's it. You leave a lasting impression. I don't believe in rotating. I'll, you know, 
burn you to the ground i'll run you to the ground but scott welcome back obviously this time around you are discussing a win i want to get your thoughts and your points yeah it's obviously it's good to, to be here on a win hopefully we'll keep that going you know three points is three points you know i think you guys talked about it you know sort of the theme of the season is it's just it's different than than the last it's not as heavy metal football where we're all out attacking it's a little more controlled it's a little more mundane but three points is three points and it's hard to really argue when you're top of the table you know we'll see what happens with Chelsea and City right now Everton aren't disappointing us too much I'm sure United will but it's good to be here but I think you know today's match the first half reminded me things could have gone wrong in previous seasons I think you would have seen you know like the Palace match at home or the the Swansea match at home the first half seemed like those moments when we were open. Those are the matches that we would have lost in prior seasons. And specifically, I wanted to see what you guys thought about the center backs. You know, they did this thing that reminded me of prior matches where on the, you know, like Herinder said, they're going to, teams are going to sit back. They're going to play defensive, but then they're going to go route one in order to score. And then when they went long, VVD went up, lost a header and then Gomez was out in no man's land, and that was the Sessegnon chance. So I wanted to see what you guys have thought. You know, on those moments, there's only going to be a few per match, but those are the moments we have to be solid, and if we don't, that's when we're going to concede, and that's when we, it seems like we might drop points, if there is a danger. Okay, Justin, um, I'm going to come to you first on this one. I want to get your thoughts on this one, because it's, that's something that I've not really noticed or observed. Um, for me, Virgil van Dijk has, I mean, like, I don't watch American football. I'm not going to pretend that I know what I'm on about. But a lot of people have often described Virgil van Dijk as a bit of a quarterback. Yeah, so um, I could give you a, an answer about it, actually. But I think the kind of the, the lineage of the center back role is as compared to the NFL. Um, because there's a position in defense called the safety, where your chance, where, where the specific responsibility is to never let uh, anybody get beyond you to, because, you know, if you get beyond the safety quarterback can throw it to a receiver and, uh, you can score and he plays like a quarterback when we have the ball. But I think, uh, he's kind of, you know, very much in the mold of a safety when we don't. And, you know, Scott, Scott's got a point, you know, he, he's, they're beaten badly for that, um, on that Mitrovic chance, but you know what, they're not going to be perfect. And, we didn't get punished, and we don't really get beaten over the top a whole lot because of the fact that we have... We don't know, concede big chances as well, am I right? Yeah. We don't concede big chances. We don't. Van Dyke, I mean, Van Dyke basically wins almost everything he challenges for in the air, right? I think it's something... I think his, his aerial duel percentage is something around 80%, which is rather absurd and you know significantly better than almost anybody else in the Premier League. But... I, you know, those ch- those chances are just going to happen. I don't think that there's much you can do to stem them, especially against teams that are going to just play that route one agricultural Allardyce kind of ball, you know, or Mourinho ball or Fulani ball, whatever you want to call it. Th- th- those opportunities are just going to come because of just sheer volume of doing them. So if a team gets one once a game and that's the, how they fashion their best chance, more power to them. It's, it's, it's a harder way to score than almost any other way. And I, I'm confident with Virgil back there that, you know, we're that we're going to be pretty good in those situations. Um, just also before I, I hand off back to you, Nina, there is one thing I need to say to Scott, which is that New York pizza kills Chicago pizza. <laughs> I hope I'm going to be allowed to respond to that at some point. Of course, go on. Look, Chicago pizza is widely known as a delicacy that is enjoyed by many. I mean, 
you know, New York pizza, it's just so thin. There's not so much to do there, but you have layers on layers with deep dish. I just, it's, it's chalk and cheese, but we, there's enough love in the pizza realm for everybody. I, I would hope, Justin. I'm going to crush both of your debate. I make my pizza from scratch. I win at life. Uh, I'm not going to argue with the host on, on, on such an assertion. I'll give you the award. What do you mean you're not going to argue with the host? I will. I said on that assertion. I argue with her about other <laughs> How can you argue? You've never had it. To be fair, given the fact that you need subtitles, probably your cooking does as well. <laughs> that is such a we- You know what? If that was a diss track in, in the rap world, that would be in the toilet and flushed. That was turd. You've not had my cooking. You know what? That is my skill. That's because I don't think you can cook. Uh, trust me, Sonny Jim. I can cook. Okay? Yeah. I can't believe I'm getting defensive sure. about my cooking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. I could totally cook. No, I mean, I mean I'm going to come back to serious stuff. I want to get your thoughts on the, you know, the Virgil van Dyke um, observation there because I kind of feel like as well, the reason why maybe he does kind of run forward is because like, Maybe there's an element of confidence in, you know, like the little, you know, it's almost like, I mean, I don't know if you remember Hanson and Lawrenson, what, you know, if, if Hanson didn't clear it, Lawrenson would, that's what I've always been told. There was that much confidence between that one could like run forward. There was always that assurance. And then of course you've got the goalkeeper. I'm that your... old, that old and grey, I can remember the fact that you had. Lawrenson, Lawrenson, Whelan, and even good old little Stevie Nickel, and between them, all four of them would rotate as to who would go forward, because they all had faith in each other, and they all had faith in the team that somebody else was going to be there. And in a similar vein, with VVD, he looks around him, he sees Andy Robbo on one side, sees Trent and Gomez on the other, and thinks, I can go forward. Gomez sometimes goes forward too. Trent does it all the time, Andy does it all the time, Mm -hmm. because they know the sum of the parts around them are much better than they were in previous seasons. Miles better. And then they have the stopgap of Alison Becker. We've not had that before. Actually, no. And, and he's a goalkeeper we've that doesn't like his defenders yeah. sat on top of him, right? He's yeah. a goalkeeper that doesn't we, like we, his defenders. We've not had top. that for years. Mm. It's been such a long time since I've seen this degree of defensive assurance within Liverpool. I don't shit myself at corners. I don't shit myself at free kicks. I don't crap myself when 101s are going on. And when Sessegnon pulled it wide, I wasn't really too scared of his shot either. I was a little bit annoyed that he had the space to do it, but I was not afraid of what was going to happen next. Even when Alisson parried it out and everyone goes, oh, he's parried it into the day, you know, commentary. Oh, he's parried it into the danger zone. Oh, my God. You know, kind of thing. Who was there? our defence. Why? Because that's what they do. In previous seasons, we would have Mignolet parry it into a, a place that nobody wished it to be parried and they'd score. Sometimes carriers would do it too, not all the time, but Mignolet would do it and you'd be like, oh shit. Bogdan decides to do it all in one match. <laughs> <laughs> and the bastard picked the match I was at as well. <laughs> um, Brad Jones once dived the wrong way as well against United. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, I was at that match too. Um, so we've come on leaps and bounds. Now, Justin's nailed it. You know, if you do the same trick again and again and again and again, one of them is kind of going to come off at some point. Yeah, the luck's going to go your way. But even in this match, the luck still didn't go their way. 
they had to have a ricochet off Joe Gomez and then off one of their own players. And the, I even remember when Seri came on, they were trying to still do the same thing. And Seri kept on getting done for the handball. Because thinking like, you know, like you can't chest the ball, you can't use your head. What do you do instead? I, I'll use my hand. You're like going, okay, this is interesting. But to cut another long story short, who would you rather have back there? I'd have these two over everybody right now. And this is coming from somebody who didn't think Joe Gomez had it in him to become a central defender because I was scarred by his FA Cup performance against Wolverhampton Wanderers. You know, so I, I eat humble pie on that one. I didn't think he'd be able to cut it as a central defender, and he's making me eat my words. I think that's fair. I'm going to go back to go back to Scott now. Uh, want to get your response to that? Yeah, I mean, I think Justin and I disagree, perhaps on pizza, but I'm in complete agreement with what he said. I mean, when you're conceding those types of chances, those are going to be few and far between. And when teams are playing, you know, the Route One agricultural football. You'd rather have that than when last week with Arsenal where you're getting carved open time and time again. I just thought it was interesting as far as, you know, Virgil van Dijk is nearly flawless. And I think we, we all agree that he's fantastic and he, he isn't going to lose a lot of those headers. And, but it did remind me of last season at Man United. And I know this is two podcasts in a row, two weeks in a row. And now I'm referencing this match again. I, it must just have scarred me. I must have PTSD. But in that match at Old Trafford, both of those times where we conceded a goal were route one football over the top, which says a lot about Mourinho, how he plays. But it's route one over the top. Lovren lost two headers. The ball comes behind, and that one center back is left kind of on no man's land. And, and you know, I think as Harinder mentioned before, you know, in the first half, our midfielders were up forward. And that's going to happen when, you know, we're trying to play on the front foot. We're trying to play up. There's that gap there between the midfield and the defense. And then in the second half, you saw that we had a little bit more coverage. So that's good. But it'll just be something to look at going forward. You know, this season is going to be defined on thin margins. It seems like nitpicking, and it it is. I mean, it's hard to to point any flaws in Virgil van Dijk's performance this season or last because he is nearly perfect. But when you have a team like City who is going to be keeping up such a a, fat, a, a great pace when they're going to be every week that they don't get three points is going to be a disappointment for them. We have to keep up with them. And it's going to be those n- narrow margins on matches like today where the ball doesn't go in, Sassinio doesn't finish. And then a little bit later we score and then we're in control after that. So that's what I'm going to be looking at to see if we, you know, those will be the defining moments. And I think this Liverpool is built better for that. You know, that's why mm-hmm. we're not as you know, foot on the gas all the time. We're trying to be more in control. We are trying to to get three points. I think Jurgen Klopp is learning. We need to wage a campaign. And I think they're doing it. And hopefully it continues. Absolutely. And, you know, it was something that, obviously, as listeners know, we literally watch this game. We come up and we log on and we do this podcast. I've not watched back again. It's something, you know, now that you've alerted this, to me, it is something that I'm going to be keeping an eye on now as well, Scott. If I turn really compulsive over this, I blame you. Uh, but thank you so much for your call. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me back again. And, hey, maybe we'll go for the three-peat next week, if not, or after the international break. But if not, it's always great listening to it. It's one of my favorite podcasts of the week, and it's it's an absolute pleasure to be talking with Harinder and Justin as well. I love hearing your guys' thoughts on the podcast and you know, when Herinder's not at Anfield and he's here to grace us with his presence, you got to be there. So I made time. I woke up early and I'm glad I made it. Love you for it. Thank you, Scott. I'm choked, Scott. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I love you too. 
That's right. You just got to flatter all the hosts, right? And then you get yeah. keep calling back on. That's all I'm trying to do. Absolutely. Flattery gets you everywhere on Anfield Index. Thanks, guys. That's Thank you. That's it for me. Okay, so that was Scott Chandler, our last caller on this episode of the Nina Carter Show. Now it's just myself, Justin and Harinda. We're going to tie up loose ends. They t- the callers took up a massive segment, so we're going to discuss things that they haven't discussed, like the key talking points. So you know what? The first thing i got to address where we, we spoke about Liverpool and all the chances that they had, but, you know, the, the goal came from um, a controversial decision. So I want to get the panel's thought on this. Um, of course, Fulham scored. It was ruled offside, Mitrovic. I want to get everyone's thoughts on this. Was it offside? Wasn't it offside? I Personally, I think the ref fucked up. To me, it looked like a legit goal. It should have stood. I think Robertson was playing him onside. Um, I will come to Harinda first on this one. So, as you may know, when Salah scored, my child cried loudly because I screamed loudly. And he's never heard me shout. I don't at my children um, I don't really shout in my house to be fair but we scored and I was screaming because like Aah! and then I was like poor little kid and bless him I managed to calm him down and by the time I'd calmed him down it was half time watching the half time highlights and the panellists going through it and it's BT Sport in the UK and Michael I don't really like you Owen comes on and he goes oh it's offside I'm like Oh, okay. I'm going to listen to you now. You're not having a go at us. You're not having a dig at us. Or you're not having a slight to our cost. The show of a line, he's offside. I'm like, okay, he's offside. That's it. He's offside. I don't think Robertson played him on. I don't think anyone played him on. He's offside. Also, this is a Liverpool podcast. Am I going to be biased? Like fuck I am. Absolutely. He was, he was offside. This is my Arsene Wenger. I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, despite the 20 replays, and I thought I was fucking blind. Um, Justin, I'm going to come to you. <laughs> yeah, the see, line. That's all I'm going to say. The line. I, I Similarly, NBC Sport Kyle Martino uh, did the same thing where they drew a, an imaginary line, and it seems like Mitrovic's shoulder by, you know, an inch is uh, offside. And since I'm a Liverpool supporter and not a City, United, and Chelsea supporter, he was offside. In the same situation, if it was a if it was a Chelsea United or City player, the same situation, uh, you know, you know, the, the goal scored on that way, he's onside. So I'm just gonna let my bias carry me through that one. You know what? Fair enough. But to me, to me, he was he was onside. Like to me, he he was onside. But I thought we scored a perfectly legitimate goal last week that was ruled off. So that was my bit of luck. Here, here. Always take luck on your side. Always take luck on your side. So that's what I'm going to say. I, I will be honest. If, if I was watching that as a neutral, I would have said, no, that goal should have stood. I get why you're being biased. It's, it's, it's the obvious, the, the, the done thing to do. And, um, I think what we need to then, which happens straight after. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, you've got a, applaud Alisson for his quick thinking because like we keep mentioning Minile, we shouldn't do this but Minile would still be looking at the linesman holding his pair like are you going to give it or not you know like he'd still be thinking about things Alisson nope gets the ball throws it straight at wide to um, Trent Alexander-Arnold he runs on plays a really good ball to um, more, um, more Salah what I loved about that goal as well was um, I think the Fulham defender tried playing him offside 
you know, he, he drops back and lifts his hand and of course um Salah's well on side and he just took that away. I just thought the perfect response. I wanna get your thoughts on that. Justin, I'll I'll come to you. Um I just loved how quick we were. My my favorite thing to watch is Mo Salah coming in where he has a chance to separate people at from people at pace going mm. bearing in on goal because I that that's the most confident I get about the fact that we're going to score. Um he feels like he's basically impossible to stop once he gets it to that spot and uh this was you know this was no different. He obviously finished it very easily. Uh Trent had a really mixed I, you could probably say poor game particularly in his use of the ball, but who cares? His first his first actual uh you know, the, the one thing that he needed to get right, he did, and it, and it, and it you know, 2-0 win. The first goal wins the game for you. So good for Trent to uh, at least have one really, really overwhelmingly positive uh, play in a uh, otherwise relatively mediocre game. Allison, though, the, the, the speed of thought to just know restart yeah. this now is so, so good because Salah's celebrating while Mitrovic is still basically celebrating the goal that he didn't score. <laughs> so that's that i mean that's that, that was that's it's kind of uh kind of fun kind of nice and uh it took a lot of pressure off for us because if we'd walked out of that first half without scoring uh for a lot of the chances we created especially some very good ones it would have been uh a bit nervier for yeah. us absolutely i mean a vital time to score right Harinda? i mean you think about it, right at the you know at the end of the first half and like you've all said we had so many chances and, you know, we needed to show something for the first half. So, you know, you've got to give a lot of credit for to Alison there for just, you know, just being quick, you know, quick-witted in that regard. Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? Like, you know, when it, like the 18, when, you know, when we all love it, when a plan comes together, this was a goal that came together. Exactly what we needed. Because the first half was petering away and you're like going, oh, come on, Liverpool, look, you just need to stop this. Please stop hitting the goalkeeper, stop messing it up in the final third will Rico please stop Heavy saving touches, these things yeah. yeah all of that you're like going look it just needs to go away and with that goal it kind of just all was almost forgotten because of the way that goal came about so theirs is ruled offside Mitrovic's shoulder hairy shoulder whatever you want to call it you know knows I don't care which part of his body it was he was offside in previous seasons you've nailed it Mignolet would have held onto the ball waved people forward, like, come on, move, and everyone's like going, they've moved already, you haven't given them the ball. Um, <laughs> just that speed, you know, but like, literally within the blink of an eye, it was way past the Fulham defender, and he's got a few yards on him, and you think, okay, there's no way anyone's going to catch him out at that point. Then you think, is the keeper going to move? Even the keeper's thinking, should I move? Because if I come out, I'm going to get chipped or dinked. If I stay put, maybe he'll do something silly. He doesn't. Salah does what he's going to do, inevitably, and score. And that was awesome because there's been a few times this season we've been in that position and the ball hasn't gone to the back of the net. We were in a similar position later on in that half where he tries to put it past the keeper and it just forces a very good save. It gets, or it gets deflected by one of the um, firm defenders. So I'm all for Salah putting that in the back of the net as a response. And Alison, God bless you, you bearded bastard. How beautiful are you, man? That's just that. Just this... take time to appreciate old beardy and goal because we've not had that in years. 
it's been such a long time since we've had a keeper like that. Yeah, you kind of forget what it's like to have that reassured person just there between the sticks, showing off his magnificent beard, releasing the ball early so we can score a goal. God bless you, Alison Becker. Absolutely. And my favourite part of Alison was in the second half when he decided to don a cap because it was just too hot and the sun was getting in his eyes. So I'm going to stick a cap on, uh, paying homage to Jurgen Klopp there. We're going to move on to our second call. And I think this guy had a very good game. Uh, Shakiri, he's not bad for a fat, lazy footballer, is he? I mean, he, I think he deserved the goal today as well. I thought from the attackers, he certainly had a very, very positive game. Justin, talk to me about that one. It is so easy to get that finish wrong. Right, that ball is hit. That ball is whipped in by Rob. Our fullbacks are, are awesome, by the way. Our fullbacks. They, they they certainly can play a killer ball. I mean, that ball is whipped in with so much pace. Mm. He has to just basically, if he if he even tries to hit it instead of just directing it where he does, which is what he does, that ball is gonna pop over the net, or he's just gonna pound it into the ground. Uh, it takes great anticipation to see where that ball is gonna be played to. He gets to the right spot and he finishes, and he makes a really difficult chance. Looks so easy. Uh, he was creative. He was looking to. He he was looking to do most of what we've been missing from like that attacking midfielder. Well, I know he was deployed kind of further out wide as that as that right forward in the position that Salah was was playing last season. But he just seemed to be the uh, you know another another creative engine for us. He was like a pit bull in my opinion, yeah. like you know snapping at people trying to win the ball, low sense of gravity, not being muscled off the ball. He was just really strong. And domineering. Yeah, I mean, you could, I mean, you could also tell that he does two things. He he plays with his head up, always looking to see whether or not he wants to shoot or pass and create something. Which I think you know today uh, that was on display in the first half in particular, just looking to get to a spot where he can uh, make defenders back off of him and have the ability to to pick a decision and show some patience in the final third, which is something we have been lacking without him in there. That's part of, I think part of our problem in the final third of the season has been very poor decision-making and Shakiri seems to be a calm level hence about what he can do and then does it. Absolutely. And listeners, um, uh, that's Justin's dog there in the background having his say on Shakiri too. Harind, uh, <laughs> I'm going to move on to you. I want to get your thoughts. Of course, I, I love the fact that, you know, I think Gags put a tweet out that, you know, Shakiri's meant to be a bit part player, but when he plays, he gets you the goals and he gets you the assist. That is exactly what he's meant to do. And you, you, I'm not being funny. Like, I don't feel like the quality drops with him at all. If anything, I think he intensifies it because I feel like he's got a point to prove. I agree. I think that if you're part of our front three and Shakiri starts, it makes it really interesting going forward because you have somebody who's extremely tenacious, has a high will and desire to want to prove a point. And because of that tenacity and tenacity for that will and desire to prove that point, you know, it's as if he's going to stick it to our attacking nine up all the time, whereby he wants to make sure Klopp realizes that if you start me, this is what I'm going to do. You start me against the dross, this is what I'm going to do. If you start me against real competitive teams, you know, the top six, let's say, or top eight, then I'll try and do the same. It's not happened yet. Never know. You never know. I have a sneaky suspicion we're going to see it soon, though, with him. Because if you're the likes of Mane or Firmino and Shakiri starts and you're having a bad game, let's say, yeah, or things aren't going your way, 
but Shakiri's on form, then all things being well and everything being a meritocracy, you've got to be worried. But that kind of competition is good. That's what this team's needed because so it doesn't become complacent. So it doesn't sit there and sit on its laurels and think everything's going to be okay. Yeah. It's just sad that Belgrade and Serbia being how it is when it comes to the likes of um, Albanians and Shakiri that he didn't go last week. I get the whole safety concerns because I was sitting there where they had the youth team right behind me and every time Shakiri got the ball, all you could hear was them booing, jeering and singing songs I didn't understand, but you could just tell that they weren't being very nice towards him, you know? So it's great for him. And I used to call him the Mars bar on steroids when he was at Stoke, because at Stoke, he literally did look like a Mars bar on steroids, this little stocky little thing that would barge towards everybody and come towards you and be a proper nuisance. Now he's our proper nuisance, and he's looking like a bargain of a proper nuisance as well. Call it like this, myself and Justin always fight which one's the Shakiri. I call myself the, the Kashmiri Shakiri. Justin, what do you call yourself? Uh, I'm just a stocky guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a stocky guy who likes, who likes lifting weights too much. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I'm with you there. I'm, I'm just a stocky girl. I'm like Miss Trunchbull with my top knot in the gym. You know, there's no shame in that. Absolutely. No, I think Shakira's been absolutely wonderful. Guys, I think we've pretty much discussed all the major talking points. Is there any final thoughts or anything that you feel that needs to be highlighted before we close this pod off? Uh, Harinda, I'll come to you first. Yeah. Can we not have Sunday midday kickoffs anymore? Why? They seem to hurt a lot of people. Like hurt atmosphere, atmosphere wise, um, oh, yeah. people being generally up for it at that point in time. Uh, a lot of people have got a long way to travel. Fulham themselves have had a long way to travel as well to get to that match. Uh-huh. It's not easy. You know, it's not easy. So I can uh, I can understand where Klopp's coming from in regards to you know wanting an atmosphere at Anfield, even for teams that are considered the dross. But it's not always going to happen, especially where you're playing the bottom of the league team kind of thing. You know, if this was a United that we were playing at midday or if it was Man City, it would be completely different. I get that because those kind of big buzz matches will automatically generate their own atmosphere. But matches against the teams that are in the lower part of the league is always going to be difficult. But making the match at four or 12 o'clock in the, the after, so like lunchtime kickoff just so you can have a Super Sunday on TV is going to kill lots of things in the future. I think that's a fair point. Justin, what about yourself? Any final thoughts and points? Anything on the subs? Anything that you feel that you need to get off your chest before we move forward? Yeah, I would have liked, I would have liked to have seen Nabi Keita get more than just yeah. like, you know, 20 seconds. Yeah, agreed. That's, that's really it. I, I would like to, I would like to see Nabi Keita play a bit more because, um, I, I think he's the one who, I, I, I want to see Keita and Fabinho. I want to see that midfield that we actually, you know, bought and wanted to assemble this summer play at some point just to see what we have going forward. Because also, if you think about it, you know, Henderson's uh, a bit older than uh, Keita and Fabinho, and I want to see what our what our future midfield might look like. 
Absolutely, I'm with you on that one. Literally, as soon as he ran onto the pitch, it was pretty much time to come straight back off it. I couldn't agree more. For my part, uh, I think the thing that I need to get off my chest, Chambers is a very lucky dude that he didn't get booked. That should have been, you know, that could have easily been a red for the challenge on Salah. I was actually quite disgusted. Um, uh, the inconsistent the referees in the Premier League, should I be surprised? But yeah, um, that really fucked me off. Um, that's all I'll say on that matter. I think we're pretty much done here. A massive thank you to my callers. You were amazing. You made some great discussions. Some, we had some great debates. So big up to them. A massive thank you to, as always, to my brothers, Justin and Harinda. But before I let them go, I want to see if they've got anything to plug, anything they're working on. Justin, come on, it's International Week. The baddest part has to come back. I, I think it, I think it will. But uh, don't we have to give men of the match? Oh, I forgot about that. Oh my god, you should host my show. All right, man of the match. Let's go. Let's see who we're all going to go with. All right, I'll, I'll kick us off since I brought it up. Um, Andy Robertson. <laughs> you, obviously, you've you've thought about this one, <laughs> and Andy. now the amateur guest is going to go to her other. Uh, the amateur host is going to go to her guest. Uh, Harinda, who was your man of the match? Because you mentioned him. Shakiri was my man of the match. He was in everything and anything. This little thing that just bundles past everybody is sublime. Yeah, absolutely sublime. And the way that he took his goal, Justin said it, he took it with a plumb. He did something that was extremely difficult. He could have volleyed it and it go right over the bar. And we see that week in, week out in the Premier League. We see that week in, week out in other leagues as well. But he absolutely nailed it. And the way that he just shifted everything onto his left foot to just guide it past the keeper was absolutely beautiful. He deserved a goal for all his tenacity today. Absolutely. I think they're both absolutely wonderful shouts. But for me, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to agree with you, Harinda. I thought he had a really good game. I felt like... Again, he doesn't disappoint me. Every time he comes on, he, he brings it and he bought it today. And I think, and I, I think, and if, you know, listeners, please con contact us. If you disagree and you think it is Andy Robertson, I have no qualms with that one as well. I think they're both great shouts, but I think, you know, he definitely deserved the goal today. So Shakiri is my man of the match, plus he, he is my inspiration when I go to the gym as well. So I do have a bias. Everyone has a bias. Right, guys, now we are going to move on to plugs. Finally, Justin. Yeah, so I am going to then try to get a U.S. pod organized for the international break. So uh, stay tuned. Ooh, exciting. I cannot wait. I do love it when the USA guys get together and podcast about Liverpool and also educate me on things like baseball and all that good stuff. So I look forward to that. It is a brilliant podcast. So do check it out, listeners. There's a, a whole backlog of them. So do check them out and follow Justin on Twitter. Um, uh, his Twitter handle, Justin, tell, tell people your Twitter handle. It's, uh, at Rolls on Chavez. It is a reference to the Big Lebowski. And if you get it, cool. I don't get it and I can't pronounce it. And we've been friends for like four years. You know what? I will never learn. And Harinda, what about yourself? Anything that you're working on? Tell the people where they can follow you on Twitter as well, please. Uh, you'll find me at Harinda1977. Um, nothing particular I'm working on. Things that I do want to shout out and plug, though. The King and AI, it's back. Mm -hmm. It's back. I've missed the King and AI. And Gags hosted the King with Paul Dogleash. And it was very good. Very, very good. That also, and Money Talks, if only for the opening gambit from yourself. The rest of it's really educational too, but the opening gambit, I'm not going to spoil for anybody. 
that 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 in alone should make people want to listen to it. Um, I will try and think of a Desi pod if we get time. I don't know what people's schedules are like, but I'm also already planning the Christmas one, which is always usually a fight of seven. I'm smiling, by the way. Can you hear that <laughs> smile? I know it's going to be good. Yeah, can't wait for those. I look forward to that. I have to agree. King and AI was brilliant. I listened to it yesterday. And yes, um, I found it ironic that I was hosting the Money Talks podcast. Like, this girl can only count to five. So the fact that I had to host that was quite funny. But more is just brilliant. So do check that out. For my part, please check out um, AI Pro. There is so much excellent content. Under Pressure is going to be back. They're going to break down the numbers from the Red Star Belgrade game, uh, bust some myths as well that you guys might have thought. I'm really intrigued and excited about that one. Molby on the spot. Jan Molby, always speaking sense. Kenny is just Kenny Dalglish. He's just magic. End of. Talking tactics again. Brilliant. Uh, for my part, I did Euro incision and I find it hilarious that a journalist, a Bundesliga journalist, has his finger more on the pulse with Liverpool players than some journalists that cover Liverpool on a weekly basis no shade but lots of it really so yeah do check out my euro incision podcast and of course money talks as well uh and of course the raw the raw match podcast as well for this uh fulham game as well which will be all on ai pro it is free for seven days so do check that out all you've got to do is go to www.anfieldindex.com forward slash join i hope i got that link right because gags always grills me for it so for my part, thank you so much for listening. It is an international break now. You won't be hearing much from me, but we will be back with a bang and hopefully some more three points coming our way. Till next time, take care of yourself and up the red. Podcast Network.